In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have with us Jake Rouse, uh, owner of Braxton Brewing Company. Jake, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, you know, just looking uh, over your your past, it seems like you, uh, you know, you started from from tech and came into basically starting your own brewing company. So tell us about that journey. Then, of course, I'm going to have you kind of give us uh, a little bit more about the brewing company. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I grew up in Northern Kentucky, just outside of Cincinnati, and always knew when I was growing up that I really wanted to start a company. I just never really knew what it would be. So, you know, growing up in the Midwest, I, I looked around when I graduated high school for colleges that could give me an opportunity to learn a ton about entrepreneurship. And Indiana University in Bloomington uh, has a phenomenal program where a lot of the professors are former business owners themselves. And so I applied and, and got in there. And once I you know, graduated from IU, uh, I had joined a technology firm in Indianapolis. And uh, that firm was the name of Exact Target. And for the five years after college, I, I worked really closely with the, the founder and the executive team to manage strategic partnerships all the way up into the point where uh, around 2013, they got acquired by Salesforce.com. And uh, I learned a ton in that phase about high growth and, and how to grow and scale uh, in a meaningful way. And all the time that that was going on, my brother, uh, our co-founder and chief innovation officer here at Braxton, was learning how to brew in our garage on Braxton Drive. And I'd watched him from afar. And you, as you know, a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of... <laughs> A lot of restaurant or people who like to cook start their own restaurants. And, you know, my brother being a passionate brewer really, really wanted to start a brewery. And so we had a sit down conversation that was like, look, if you want to do this, I want you to learn how to scale recipes, how to focus on quality, how to really go after the things that I think make successful breweries. And so sure enough, uh, he took that leap of faith and became the assistant brewer at Hofbrauhaus. House. Uh, around the time the acquisition had happened, I uh, had basically decided that uh, after about a year of the transition period, that working for a massive conglomerate, you know, albeit Salesforce is a fantastic company, uh, just really wasn't for me. So we decided to take that leap of faith, and uh, we started Braxton in 2014, about six, uh, five and a half years ago. That's that's awesome. That's a great story. And and you you guys uh, you know call yourselves the tap room of the of the future. What what does that mean? Yeah, you know, to be honest, that's something we were really, really working on. And it's coming to light a lot more now than it ever has in the past. We really wanted to blend technology and beer together because my take on the beer industry is that it was really ripe for disruption. What I didn't know and learned five years into it is that scaling a brewery is incredibly expensive. A lot of capital equipment, a lot of you know, processes. And, and frankly, the industry itself is, while ripe for disruption, is controlled primarily by a three-tier system that is antiquated and frankly, really, really, really fights all of that type of disruption. So right now during COVID, we've had to rethink a lot of things about our business. I mean, we've done a lot of things digitally, 
but I really, really wish, uh, really wish we could be a little bit further along on that vision. Uh, it's just going to take a little more time to bring to life. Yeah, but great vision. I think uh, it's one of those things where it definitely, definitely resonates with me. So I think it's it's something that uh, I think once you do, I think a lot of breweries will probably look at that and go, yeah, that that's that's a model that I want to replicate here in my local area. With uh, you know COVID, of course, it's no secret we're in the middle of a pandemic. How has your business been impacted by by COVID nineteen? Our business has definitely been impacted. Um, you know, we we operate for well three locations that allow for people inside of tap rooms to come and enjoy our products. And, and those were shut down for a considerable amount of time. We saw our, our physical locations are, are still operating at about 30 to 40% of revenue from last year, which is really challenging. It's caused us to really think a lot about the overall business and, and how do we allocate our time and resources towards growing the things that really work. And so that's what we've been focusing on, really focusing on our brands uh, that are sold through distribution. We expanded our distribution channel this year to include the state of Indiana. So we now sell beer in Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Indiana. And we've been focusing really hard about growing on, on those retailer shelves. During these times, you know, of course, you've made changes to the business and, and as you said, kind of revenues down. But I think one of the reasons that, you know, we, we definitely wanted to share your story. There's a lot of people that, you know, of course, share the same you know, sentiment during these days and don't know what to do uh, to keep their business afloat and, you know, be able to focus on growth when we get back to a level of normalcy. What changes did you have to make, you know, in the last kind of three months and, and what do you anticipate? Are there other changes that you still have to make over the next few months? Yeah, we definitely do. I mean, we, we made a lot of changes. The first thing we did, obviously, is unfortunately had to look at our team and, and determine like what roles are absolutely critical uh, at a stage where, you know, in the beginning, we didn't know what would be open and what would even be working. And so we made some changes to the team structure and really focused on uh, allocating resources towards things that don't require physical gathering, uh, which is really difficult for a beer company, right? Because we sold probably 25,000 cases of beer last year to professional sporting events that, that are no longer happening. So we had to really reallocate our thought process. But the biggest changes we made were definitely in our marketing. We had a lot of aggressive sampling. As a, as a local brewery, a small brewery, uh, we also have an incredibly high-growth seltzer brand. The only way you can really cut through the noise of national advertisers is to sample the product and win on taste. Well, you can't really do that in a global pandemic. So we thought really long and hard about how do we how do we still approach those customers and how do we make sure that we get the products off the shelf that we're putting into the stores. And so I think like there's a, a big opportunity for us to create uh, a big you know future gap of of what we're trying to accomplish. But it definitely is going to look way different than it did this time last year. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Is is there technology that you're putting out there due to COVID or are what I'm trying to uh, figure out is, you know, one of the questions that comes in from listeners is during this time, they're thinking some of these, you know, gaps in being able to connect with a customer have to do with technology that they have to deploy. Is there any technology that you had to deploy during this time? Uh, you talked about marketing, but anything else that you had to do during this time to be able to really connect with your customers? Oh, yeah, for sure. We, I mean, we had to pivot our entire online business or our entire taproom business online. We went to curbside only for about uh, 90 days. We had to stand up an e-commerce platform, which we've learned a lot about. And all of a sudden now, you know, we're, we're doing some pretty crazy things that I'm fairly excited about. So, you know, for instance, one of the big things that we're doing is really, really focused on e-commerce. So we, we launched a subscription program for a very highly sought after beer series that we've been doing during the pandemic. And 
it's been amazing to kind of see people pivot into a subscription type environment for beer. Uh, we didn't really know what to expect. And so we're working really hard now on how do we continue to elevate the, the experience of purchasing alcohol on the internet? It's something that is not, it's new to everybody. So it's not, you know, something that's very easy to do. And, and we're learning a lot for sure. That's awesome. You also have uh, your new hard seltzer brand. Was that born due to due to COVID or was that, was that in the works prior? I was way in the works prior. Yeah, we launched that brand in the beginning of uh, 2019. We've really, really scaled it since. That's awesome. That's a, that's a great compliment too, because I, uh, you know, my wife's a beer drinker. I'm more of a hard alcohol drinker, so that that, that allows us to both come and and enjoy uh, your brewery. That's a, that's a great thought there. As you've been thinking about Jake, what the future holds, uh, would you recommend any sort of you know either technology or reading or you know, as other, you know, restaurants or cafes or breweries are looking at, what do I do next in my business? Are there any resources that you can recommend to them? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. To me, what, what I do and have been doing a lot is reading a ton about what's happening in other industries, right? Like, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you're a coffee shop or a, a restaurant or a brewery, whatever it may be. What I'm learning right now is that the reality is, is that there's a lot of customers out there that really want to support local and really want to support the community. And so you just give people the opportunity to do that. And frankly, you're going to be able to to win in this environment. I know it sounds crazy, but it's unfortunately just the, the world that we live in. And so I, I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunities to come out of this to grow. Uh, you know, for us, we really focused on that e-commerce channel, but but in in fact, you know, there was also a lot of wins outside of e-commerce. We actually acquired a tap room during this time frame from a group of people that they just really wanted to get out of brewing. And we basically said, you know, we're we're interested in working with you to give you a chance to get out of it in a big way, but at the same time, you know, kind of a one plus one equals three. Like they get to get out and not, you know, have to go through the crazy world of of closing a business and we get an opportunity to try to grow. So it's definitely different. And I, I think that my advice to everybody that I've been talking to, my friends who own businesses, the, the partners that build businesses with, with Braxton, it's you know just really listen to everything at this time. Like this is a time where you get to really rethink your business and also really listen to all of the opportunities that exist. And you know, if you if you really you know start to shake the trees, I think you'll find that there's a lot of more opportunity out there than you originally thought. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a great point. Look at look at this time as an opportunity. Some people want to get out, and and um, you know, there, there's an opportunity also to be able to grow in a smart way. That's great. We talk about, of course, the pandemic, but you know, the, these days, hopefully, we're going to be past this here soon. And with that, you know, consumer behavior trends have changed a little bit during this time frame. What do you think is going to change in the future? Are there things that are going to remain the same as as the pivots that we had to make in our businesses during COVID, or you think, you know, basically after, you know, getting out of the COVID days, things are going to be to the same level of normalcy that we had before. I've been talking a lot about this with some peers in the industry. I'm calling it COVID PTSD because there's going to be some, right? Like I think about a lot what the first, you know, frankly, we we went fully remote as a team uh, for 90 days, except for the production environment. And so I was working remote as well during that time frame. I think a lot about what the experience was those first 7, 14, 21 days back in the office. It was hard. It was really hard to get back adjusted to that world. And I think, you know, to me, the, the things that I think scare me the most and are, are kind of the most interesting is just what, what's going to happen in our urban environments 
I live in a condo uh, near downtown Cincinnati, and every day that it's kind of nothing's really open, I think to myself, why am I in this small condo? Like, why don't I have a yard? Like, why don't, you know, and are we going to start to see migration from cities back to suburbs? And what does that do to, to urban environments? But the other behavior that I think we're really going to see stick is just the adoption of all things digital. It is just easier to buy things online and have them shipped to you. And I think that that's going to stay. Yeah, you know, my belief is kind of similar. I think there's going to be some trends that remain. I think percentages will probably go down, right? So delivery won't be as high as as it's become during this time. Maybe curbside is not going to be as high, but they're they're going to remain. They're going to remain as as habits that people keep using and and, and keep uh, going back to. I think I, I agree with that. We talked a lot about you know the, the past, the present, and, and kind of the future. What does growth look like for you? And, and, and now you, you guys have grown pretty rapidly now to, I think it's five locations. Do I have that correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What does growth look like for you, Jake? It, it seems like you have big aspirations to continue to grow and, and grow your, your brand. Uh, but what does that look like? For us, we're talking a lot about you know, using this time to really go for it, leveraging every ounce of capacity that we have in our portfolio to just go. And so you're going to see us really focus on the fundamentals and really understanding what is it that we need to do in order to get there. So growth for me, it's probably going to be really investing hard and heavily in this e-commerce play. We successfully, you know, the breweries in Kentucky successfully lobbied the state to allow for direct shipment. We're just waiting for that to go live. So our ability to ship alcohol across the country is going to be something we're really looking forward to. Outside of that, it's just really focusing on proven winners instead of innovation. So in the past, we'd be testing new items, new flavors, new beers. Now it's like, which ones are really working and how do we pour more fuel on that fire to run at them? That's a great point. I hear this often. A lot of uh, operators are looking at basically using this time to see what their online and e-commerce sales were to be able to potentially say, hey, this is what's, what's, what's going to be most popular. This is probably what I should carry more of. This is what I should cut. This is what I should more focus on. You know what I mean? Use that data. For brands that are, you know, in a different place in their head, uh, Jake, as far as like, I talk to brands that are, you know, we're going to take this opportunity to grow and really are being resilient. And there's brands that are looking at, at themselves and going, you know, I'm just going to put in the towel. What, what advice do you have for those brands that are really near the end and, and, and don't and think it's time to call in the towel? There's nothing more. I mean, I'll, I'll just be blunt here. There's nothing more depressing in the world right now than the stories that I hear from independent bar and restaurant owners. You think about a group of, of businesses that have been disproportionately blamed for the spread of this disease and the effects on that. And I have a lot where, you know, we've We've made a lot of friends in this industry who have supported our brands throughout this time to make sure that we can grow. And all I can say is, is be as vocal as humanly possible. Like, I know it's a time where we are at a time in this country where everybody is so divided. But as a business owner, if you have the time and bandwidth to get on the phone with your local politicians, they need to hear these stories. They, you know, I, I frankly had a conversation and, and I'm not sure where are you guys based? San Francisco. Okay. So I, I had a conversation. I don't know if you guys are seeing something similar, but I recently had a conversation with a politician here in uh, Northern Kentucky who was saying, oh, well, all the bars, you know, it looks like our city's hopping. Everybody's doing great. And I looked at him and I said, you realize it looks like everybody's doing well because no one's inside, right? Like it looks like people are pouring onto the streets, but everybody's at 25 or 50% capacity and there's not a single person. So what I'm most afraid of is that there's a mindset now that this is over. And everything is fine. And it's it's not. 
And so all I've been urging everyone is just pick up the phone, dial your congressman, dial, you know, your state politicians, whoever, and just continue to tell them this story because it is, it is definitely a scary time to be a founder. But that being said, you know, being a founder means that we're naturally resist resilient. So I think there's a path to, to trying to tell your story so that you can figure out how, you know, ultimately, how do we get there and, and how do we get as much help as humanly possible? Yeah, no, 100%. If there's operators there that are looking for a tactical kind of one, two, three approach, and I hear you, but there is really none, right? Uh, it's it's really just looking at your business, looking at yourself, looking at the future and kind of trying to put all that together to see where you should focus, where your customers coming in, use that data to be able to make better decisions for kind of the future of your operation. But if, if people are looking for that, hey, Jake, this is all great advice, but what do I do first? Uh, do you have any advice of where they should start? You know, talk again, have conversations, look at their brand, but any place to start? What I always do when we're looking at the business now and the conversations that we're having with our team now is look really, really hard at the things that are working. Because we're in, we're in a world right now where the things that are working are working for a reason. And so there's got to be something in your business that's working, whether it's outreach to customers, whether it's you know, building a community around your brand or a specific product that people love. And what we've had a lot of success in doing is once you understand that one, two, three things that are really allowing you to drive your business, even though the numbers may look worse than they did one, two, three years ago, then just reach out to your customers and talk to them. Like ask them, what do you like about this thing? You recently bought this. Why? And when you have those conversations, whether it's digitally, you know, on social media, opening up polls, you can learn so much to be able to pivot your brand or be able to grow a specific product line in a really unique way that I, I think it will truly, truly help you grow. Yeah, that's great advice. You know, one of the things that, that we also learned is that, you know, a, another thing is, you know, of course, listen to your customers, like you said, and be able to see, you know, what's what, what the feedback is there. But it, you also, you know, looked after your, I know you had to go through some shifts in the business and let some people go that were part of the Braxton family, but you did something clever there in the sense of being able to, you know, fundraise some money to be able to help them. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, we did. We basically, we've never had anything like this, right? We've never, we've never dealt with anything like this. We're five years old and we've nearly doubled the business every year that we've been open. And so Braxton is only known growth. And so when you hit your first roadblock uh, as a founder, you really have to think long and hard about what is it that you need to accomplish and how do you take care of the people who have poured their blood, sweat, and tears into the business? And so what we did, we're very fortunate in that we have a product that is very, very, very special uh, in Dark Charge. We release it one day a year. And you know, in that time frame of uh, releasing people line up, we see usually 10,000 people come through the brewery that day. And so we really wanted to take all of the product we had left over for a rainy day because to us... There really wasn't a worse rainy day available than, than having to let go you know, more than half of your staff. And so what we did is we opened it up to sell to the public. And we basically said, look, for every bottle that you guys buy, we're going to donate a portion of the funds back to a fund called the Braxton Family Relief Fund. And the community came out in a massive way. We sold out of bottles in a little under three hours uh, and was able, was able to, to raise enough funds to provide health insurance to everybody through the month of June. So we paid everybody's health insurance, even if they were furloughed, and then also provide direct checks to everyone who was furloughed. So it, it worked really, really well uh, to help everybody, you know, kind of during a time of uncertainty. That's that's a great story. And, and that's you really kind of talked about this. Uh, a founder and, and, and you know, kind of starting a business is hard. 
itself. But having to, you know, go through times like this where you build up your team and you build up what you're you're calling the Braxton family, which is how I believe things should be as well. We have, you know, our Radiant family here as well that, you know, we as a company do everything for. It's hard. And so during those times, you have to make some tough choices, but doing them in a very humane way is, is how I would do things as well. So big props to you and, and, and the Braxton family for doing that. That's great. Thank you. Absolutely. So that, that was a great talk. Um, one question for you, I think, you know, as we get you know back to a level of normalcy and want to travel again, what are some, some fun places outside of the Braxton brands to visit in, in Cincinnati? Oh man, there's fantastic. We have so many great breweries here in Cincinnati that you could stop by. Uh, you've got, you know, Mad Tree, Ryan Geist, 50 West. They're fantastic. Some incredible food as well. I, you know, when I was with uh, Salesforce, I was commuting back and forth to San Francisco from Indianapolis almost every week. So I know you guys have great food out there, but uh, the Midwest has really started to pick up its foodie game. So uh, there's some great restaurants here. And, and, you know, like I said, there's been some great urban redevelopment here in Cincinnati. And I really, really hope we don't lose that as an effect of the pandemic. But we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah. And looking forward to come visit one of your locations when we get back uh, to, to, again, travel and normalcy and openness and all that good stuff. That was uh, great talking to you today, Jake. Thank you so much. Great talking to you as well, Bobby. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.